This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. And welcome to all of the Brisbane Football News. Scott and Adam, which you just speak with James, unavailable. Adam, how are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, it seems like our illustrious uh, host is still involved in the World Cup, which is uh, more than most. But uh, yeah, yeah he's, I believe he's having a very uh, good time, albeit sleep deprived uh, in, on his day job. Yes, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. As you mentioned, James is one of the only Australians still involved in the World Cup thanks to his day job. He will be back in a couple of weeks. We will get to the World Cup later on when we have Liam and Alex from Queensland Soccer is with us to debrief everything that happened on Sunday morning with the Argentina game and all the live sites around Brisbane and around the country. So look forward to that conversation. But firstly, Adam, how can people get in contact with us since you are now the mayor of the plugs as well as the mayor of Moreton Bay? Jeez, I thought you were kidding about that. Um, okay, anyway, I'll have to do this on the fly. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at uh, The Raw Review, or you can type in Brisbane Football Review, which is what we prefer. Uh, on Twitter, at BNE Football. Instagram, Brisbane Football Review, lowercase one word. And also by email, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. And our podcast is available at all good podcasting outlets. Now, we will get to the World Cup later, but first, we have to get to domestic matters here. In Brisbane, we'll start with the A-League Women's Competition, Adam, where Brisbane played their first road game of the new season, a 3-0 loss to Melbourne City, and it was a very comfortable win in the end for Melbourne City. Yeah, it was. Um, unfortunately, it didn't look like that the Raw sort of travelled very well as far as, you know, this game. It was not very good, unfortunately. If we're, being, if we're being frank and honest about it, and I think that, you know, yeah, it, it's a, it was a, a couple of steps back uh, after some decent performance the last couple of weeks. That's not to say uh, Melbourne City, they, they looked uh, very, very good, especially their imports. Absolutely. So it was a 3-0 win for Melbourne City. It was a goal from Briley Henry in the 30th minute. Murray Rojas, the new injury replacement import in the 51st minute. And Amina Ekic, who had an outstanding game down the left-hand side for City in the 80th minute. And they did have a penalty, penalty which was missed by Maria Rojas, um, hit the post. And they, the follow-up was also hit the crypto woodwork as well. So it could have been four for Melbourne City. It ended up being three. And as I said, they were very, very good Melbourne City. And from minute one in this game, they really made it very difficult for the Raw to get any any measure of the game. And for a lot of the time, the Raw was trying to get a foothold in there. They really struggled to do that, didn't they? Yeah, it looked like that uh, the Melbourne City, just, they just dominated in midfield. And that was, as with most games, that, that's where the battles are normally won, lost pretty early. And uh, that, that midfield of uh, Melbourne City, you know, is a very, very good. But I think where the real, um, I think the real, where the real battles lost was, um, uh, yeah, Ekich was just, yeah, she was superb uh, from, from, from what I saw. And she really um, exposed any happened. And I look, I know I've, I've mentioned this a number of times uh, with her learning the role, but uh, unfortunately, I think the experiment is becoming a bit of failure because she got really badly caught out on a number of occasions, which led to goals um, in this game. And and yeah, like uh, you, you don't like I said, it, it's unfortunate because I think she's a player of immense talent, but uh, yeah, it's doing her no favors being you know found out at right back, you know, and and Melbourne City really, you know, really did sort of, you know, cause problems down that uh, that left-hand side, that right-hand defence. Absolutely. The fullbacks are a bit of a concern for the Brisbane Rule. They made one change, two, made two changes, I beg your pardon, on the side, which had a draw with Canberra last week. One of those was Jesse Rashart at left-back. I mean, also made a change in midfield where Margot Rubin made her first start. But they brought Jesse Rashart in at left-back, Adam, and it worked okay for the first half now, but unfortunately she had to succumb to an injury, so hopefully that's not too serious. But the new back four, how did you think that worked? Is that a better balance with Rashad in place of Tamar Levin for you? Or would you like to see the younger, more less experienced Tamar Levin, who might be more useful in terms of exuberance going forward, a better option? I think right now, I think uh, yeah, the experience option probably would was the better was the better call. Look, look Tamar Levin's done all right, but of course, you know, when you're playing a, a team like Melbourne City, you need experience because those wingers are just going to absolutely, you know, you know they they play they play the lot with, and you know that that's sort of the secret to Melbourne City. And uh, and yeah, like I said, I think I think it's the right call to bring uh, to bring. 
bring uh, Rashard into the side, but her getting injured and coming off, that really sort of threw a spanner sort of in the works. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, Holly McQueen made her made her debut in, in that position. And yeah, I, I don't, again, I think it's same with Annie Haffner. I don't know if that's the right call. I think they're, they're both, both of them are centre-backs. Uh, so if, if fundamentally, you've got four centre-backs at the moment playing two centre-back roles and two uh, full-back roles. So, look, it, it's a case, it is a case of, um, you know, that, that, that's, all, very good, that's all the stock they've got. But, yeah, that, as you said, both full-back roles may be um, a real real issue. Look, Tamar Levin, I guess, would be the option, I guess, as well at, at left-back. But, again, she's only played a couple of games in that in that role. Absolutely. Well, they had both... I'm going from Western had both Holly McQueen and Tamara Levin as an option. opted to give Holly McQueen her debut player 116 for the Brisbane Roar. Zara, Zara Kruger also made her debut player 117. Two players who've been a part of that Lions set up for a while there. Adam, it was actually great to see Holly McQueen get that debut. She's been around the set for so long now with the Brisbane Roar. This would have happened 12 months ago, but the injury unfortunately meant it got delayed and Great to see her get her chance as well. Zara Kruger, who is one of the better young players coming through here in Queensland, who's also been a part of junior national teams in the recent past as well. Yeah, uh, there are two things on that. Uh, yeah, Holly McQueen, it's uh, it's great that she finally gets a debut. Like she, yeah, until that horrific injury last year, the Kappa Super Cup final, that you know the, her delay, the, her debut has been delayed you now a year, but it's good to finally see her go. You know, play in the A-League women. I think she's a player of tremendous promise, as we've seen for many years for for Lions and for QAS. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Zara Kruger as well. It's a very very good story. You know, a, a product of the uh, Lions Women's Academy, and obviously you know, six, sixteen years old. You know, you obviously are, are something special if you can debut at, at the senior level at that age. But you're right, she is also a uh, junior Matilda as well, and uh, it's good to get. See her get get a shot. It most certainly is, and as you know, we always go our three, two, ones player of the year for every single match tomorrow with the Brisbane Roar, and it's my turn to speak for this matchup. And I went three points for Hensley Handcuff, two for Jamila Rankin, and one for Holly Palmer. As one of us will announce our three, two, ones every week, the others are kept secret until the end of the year. And Hensley Handcuff, Adam had a really good game in goal, and without her, it could have, it could have been a bigger score. Oh, I would not say could have. It would have been a bigger score without Hensley Handcuff. Like she, she was, she was amazing. I know she conceded three goals, but uh, look, I there's not much she could have done on all on all on all three. I think uh, her defence, unfortunately, got uh, her let her down. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think the fact that it only finished at three is probably you know if there's one of the bright spot points for this uh, is that yeah, Hensley Hensley Hans- Hensley Handcuff, I think uh, it's going to prove very, very formidable. Um, look, she she did uh, she did sort of help the ball hit the post on the um, Maria Rojas uh, penalty miss, uh, but but even as well the the uh, I think it's the third goal that the so the the second goal is conceded the one. Um, yeah, where basically, uh, well, actually, Rojas has got, got the header, and even there, um, Hancock got a piece of it, just couldn't, just couldn't get enough to, to serve, um, scoop it out of the goal. But um, yeah, there's a couple of occasions where defence really sort of let her, um, let her left laying, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I think if that's the one positive point, is that yeah, it looks like that she's certainly going to be formidable in goals. It's just she needs the protection. Absolutely. Just we'll talk about Melbourne City Bruce. They were really good, weren't they? Maria Rojas trying to find her footing in in that Melbourne City front line. I mean, Arekic was really good as we spoke about on the left-hand side. Young Daniela Gallic in the midfield as well as the number 10 was outstanding as well. So that, And Riley Henry on the right-hand side got a goal. So that front four was working really well. So they were really good, Melbourne City. Anything else really catch your eye this weekend out of the other wins? Adam, we saw an entertaining draw between Newcastle and Perth. Sydney got the win in the derby over the Wanderers and... Victory got their first win, and Adelaide went down to Western United in a bit of a surprise. The new the new kids on the block are off to an outstanding start. New kids on the block, nine out of nine, and perfect. That's uh, I don't think any of us saw that, and especially that win over Adelaide, who we who I I know I pencil in right, almost absolute morals to win the premiership. That's uh, three points that uh, that they did not get uh, thanks to. Uh, Western United, so congratulations to them. Um, that they're, yeah, they're 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 going on great at the moment. Um, and, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think Adelaide, I think back to the drawing board for them. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, Wellington at the bottom at the moment. I think they it's, I think it's going to be another struggle of the season for them. And Melbourne victory a much needed win for them because uh, yeah, Owen Owen two going, sorry they Owen three I think. Uh, 
going on to that's right we're only round three yeah so they haven't won a game yet so to get to if they were all in three they would have been big trouble so a a much needed win for them i told you not to bet against jeff hopkins and just quickly the most impressive (laughs) thing about western united is their star player chloe lagarza who's still only coming off of the bench so Imagine how good that could be when she gets herself into the starting lineup for Western United. We'll look ahead to the weekend now, ahead round four. Brisbane Roar make the trip away to Sydney FC, a side who they've played plenty of big games against in the past. Adam, and they'll need a, a better performance, obviously, it goes without saying that we saw away to Melbourne City. What changes would you look to make in terms of trying to make that happen? Mar- Mariel Hecker may very well be available to come back in in the front. That obviously. They'll need to make another decision at left-back if Jesse Rashett is unavailable. So there could be at least two changes there. Is there anything else you would look at potentially as a change, or is it just going to be those two? I, I don't know who's mandating it, but I would I don't know who's mandating whether it's a agreement or whether I began Katrina Gorey back in that side ASAP. Not only, not only because of her star power, but the fact that midfield uh, got completely overrun by Melbourne City. Melbourne City, yes, they're a good team. Sydney FC profile, very, very similarly. If they if they allow um, Sydney FC to dominate that midfield battle, uh, yeah, it could be another long afternoon for the Raw. So I, I think somehow, some way, if they can get Katrina Gorey back in the side, uh, that would that would help. Uh, failing, failing that, Meryl Hecker needs to, needs to come back as well. The, yeah, the full-back situation, look, up. Look, I don't know what they what they can do. Um, look, whether where you know they need to p- perhaps you know put Jamila Rankin at fullback. I know she wants to be a centre back, but you know they're they're the cattle's very very um is is very very thin at the moment in those fullback roles, and someone at least that has experience might be worth at least if it's for a week or two until they can sort of establish you know. Yeah, you know, a bit more sort of you know regularity there because um, look, I think Annie Haffen and as I said before, I think she's better suited as a centre back. I think you know maybe that moved to Miller ranking out to left back, and, and right and sorry, or even right back. And um, yeah, like I said, tomorrow eleven may also get the call up again. So that, but you're right, if the fullback situation for the Raw at the moment that is it's not good. Absolutely, four o'clock kickoff down in Sydney. On Saturday afternoon, game is available on 10 Play. If you're looking where to find the games, or every game is available live and free on 10 Play. So that's where you go to find your A League women's action. And Adam, we also have an A League men's games week after a three week hiatus due to the aforementioned World Cup. The A League is back in the men's variety this weekend. And Brisbane have the first game of the return. It's on Friday night up at up at Mortendale Stadium against Adelaide United, a side who. They've played plenty of times in the past, obviously, in some big games. And we saw the Raw a month ago when they last played. They beat Sydney FC. They'll be hoping that momentum carries over into this game. Yeah, so like I said, this is a very, very interesting game because, like I said, it almost feels like the season is, well, the season is restarting. But, you know, it's almost like, you know, who can capitalise after the break? This is, we're in very, very new territory as far as, uh, as of you know, the, so the, into this season, you know, st- having a month a month in into the season, the Raw were undefeated in that they they didn't they didn't lose. How they go against Adelaide United, I think it's going to be it's going to be questionable for both teams. Uh, look, I guess the other question will be uh, whether Craig Goodwin, who who seems to have sort of his legend has sort of increased, if it wasn't enough at least against the Raw, um, like I said, does, does he play on? Uh, on Friday night, or does it come off the bench, or do they just say, you know what, have a week off because yeah, you did your country proud? Well, Craig Goodwin has seven goals against the Brisbane Raw, so I'm sure Carl Vitt will be tempted to throw him in. But my guess is they will save his return to the red shirt for a home game coming up in the not too distant future, and and that's absolutely right. I'm sure he will get a rapturous round of applause when he does return to that Adelaide United side. And obviously, his record against the Raw would be beneficial for the Raw if he's not not available. But we'll have to wait and see. For that one, it's not much we really can really say about this game, is it, Adam? Because it's been a month since we saw the Raw men's side play. We're not; it's been very, very quiet actually out of the Raw camp. We're not sure of any injuries. If anyone's picked up any injuries in training, or players are back to the back to full training, so we're not really sure what to expect, are we? Do you think? We'll, do you think there'll be a, a, anything vastly different to what we saw the last time against Sydney, or do you think it'll be a case of rolling that out once again and hoping it continues on? I think it might be a case of yeah you know, ro- rolling it out you know as as you put it to, and just just continuing on. I think uh, I think at the moment let's just some you know new sort of 
you know, game plan that Warren Moon has devised in the last three weeks. I think obviously at the moment, you know, while it's on the first four games only netted one win, the most important thing is that there are all that they haven't lost this season. So they lost to Melbourne City at home in round two. Oh, sorry, they did too. Yeah, my my apologies. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, so, but even so, four out of five is still very very good. Very very good effort. So uh, the season, if you if you call draw a good effort uh, in in the grand scheme of things, uh, I I pretty much expect the same. Uh, I think yeah, it, I think it's so close to call at the moment because of the uncertainty of this break and how teams across the league are going to react to it. Absolutely. So Friday evening up there at Morton, get out there if you can and support. Delhi, we've seen how good it is on the world stage. So get out there and support the players in their efforts there. One change that will be made by the way, Jordan Holmes should be available after his red card against Sydney, so he should be available for selection. We'll see if he gets himself back into the side. Now, before we do go to a quick break and hit it free from Liam and Alex, Adam, one bit of news that came out in the last week. Football Queensland have announced their schedule for the 2023 season. Do you want to briefly take us through a couple of the highlights there? Um, yeah, you caught me, caught me a bit under <laughs> Off, off guard here, but uh, yeah, look, the main the main uh, thing is that uh, yeah, the women, uh, the NPL women's uh, will play twenty seven games. They will they'll be the first cab off the rank as far as uh, competition goes this season, uh, and also also um, with the men all, all uh, it's twelve as as far as we know at the moment uh, 12, 12 team divisions, both NPL men and FQPL one and two men. Uh, so, so yeah, so they they will kick off at the end of the end of uh, February. I'd yeah, the women kick off at the end of January. The men kick off a couple of weeks after that. But there's a yeah. a new competition in the men's game, Adam, yep. which I think is very interesting to see how how that's going to be rolled out. Yeah, the uh, the Kappa Pro Series, as it's been tentatively called, according to the. Uh, According to the uh, latest calendar version of the calendar, uh, which is basically a league cup for the, uh, I guess the MPL and FQPL teams, uh, we, we still haven't heard too many details yet. I know uh, Football Queensland, I, I don't believe, have officially launched it yet. So how that will go as far as whether it runs side by side or inclusive of the F, FA Cup, the, the Australia Cup qualifiers. Uh, so, so I think we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not expecting much out of Football Queensland until, I guess, the new year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting. That, yeah, but either, either or, another another cup. And, and I think, thankfully, at least, we can see trophy another trophy on offer for the men's side of things to, to accompany the uh, women's the women's cup, a super women's cup, that, uh, that yeah, where they actually play, there's actually a final where I think where we've, I think we've said a number of times, especially we were very vocal on the Sunday show, which will be coming back at the end of, uh, at the end of January as well, uh, that, uh, that there should be a men's, men's cup competition where there's actually a winner instead of, instead of where we had a, um, where we sort of played the top four, the Australia Cup qualifiers and then left at that. Yeah, I think that's the one gap in the men's game here in Queensland. We're looking for how that does come back. When you mentioned the fact that the MPL show will be back in early 2023, so we'll be getting a season preview for that out early next month. So keep an eye out for that. The uh, the football never ends here on the Brisbane Football Review. But this segment, however, does come to an end. Because we'll be back right after this to hear from Liam and Alex from the Queensland Socceroos as we break down the big round of 16 matchup against Argentina. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back here to the Brisbane Football Review. We are joined now by Liam and Alex from Socceroos. We're just about recovering from the game at the weekend. Liam, Alex, how are you? Recovering. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to trying to re, reinflate my tyres. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fantastic performance from the Socceroos in the round of 16. It was a 2-1 loss to Argentina in the end. A goal from Craig Goodwin cancelled out by Julian Alvarez. And that little guy, Lionel Messi, made it 2-1 for Argentina. Alex, they got everything they possibly could. They did everything they could. It just wasn't quite enough in the end, was it? It was a great effort. Yeah, I'm so bloody proud of the boys. That was that was incredible. Um, you know, similar vein, I guess, to the to the Denmark game a couple of days earlier where they just defended so um, stoutly. And, uh, you know, once they got their their foot on the ball, they, they went and uh, attacked Argentina and they looked sharper in the attacking phase of the game uh, with the little opportunities that they had. Um, but yeah, look, the, the, you know, the world-class quality of a player like Lionel Messi ultimately decided this one, I think, personally. 
Absolutely. Um, Liam, the, the uh, reaction for most of the trainers was disappointed, but proud. I imagine you would you would have a similar kind of out view of the way the game went on Sunday. Um, look, yeah, we're all. I think we're all disappointed that that we more or less lost lost a game of football. Uh, I say a game, probably the game of the football of, the, of you know Australia's footballing history. But um, I think um, a lot of us can agree that we didn't we didn't capitulate. We were in that until the last twenty sec twenty. 15, 20 seconds of that game. My biggest fear was that with the country watching the way they were, was that we wouldn't perform. And we just have kind of have, all of us would kind of have eggs in our faces. And they stood up, they stood tall. Everyone saw them the way at their best, the way they played. And I think that's excellent. Absolutely. And they certainly did perform, didn't they? I mean, they didn't win the game, but it was probably one of their better performances in the whole World Cup, including the two games that they won. Um, look, I, look, yeah, mate, I think we played, played, well, um, I think we've. I think Aaron Moy didn't have as much as a influence that he, that, that he did with um, with the Tunisia game. I mean, every time you watch the Tunisia game, which I've done a few times now, he kind of just pops up everywhere, didn't he? You know, but I don't know. He was. He, um, I, I don't think we played as good as we played against Denmark and as good as we get as as, as Tunisia. But that may be because it's Argentina. Argentina didn't allow us to play that game. But when we had the ball, we always always wanted to do something with it. We didn't sit back. We didn't kind of just kick it around a bit, you know. We 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 wanted to go forward. We were using the wings, and we wanted to get get there and do something, and we did. And it almost paid off for us. Sam, how did you view the game, Adam? Yeah, look, I I echo the boys' sentiment. I think that everyone, um, I guess, we're a little disappointed uh, rather than sort of just just sort of fake complete almost. But uh, look, that, that's that's probably the, the biggest aspect of it all: the fact that there is disappointment, the fact that you know there was actually hope that you know at some point the Socceroos did look like they may get back into the game, especially when uh, us as Bayich's uh, chance, you know, with, with just was just under ten to go. That like all of a sudden you knew, hey, the Socceroos are coming. Um, Argentina sort of. A, Went went a bit um went a bit uh, conservative as far as you know, the changes they'll they'll start to play protect and the Socceroos came at them and then the, the uh, chance for Graham Cole right at the end like I, I think um look credit credit to him that he had to he drew the save from Emmy Martinez rather than you know flash it wide or flash it over but that shot was a lot harder than probably what the hard cam view gave credit for because of that that was a cute angle look it would have been an absolute miracle had he scored that so I don't think you can take two. You know, it can be too harsh on, on the youngster. The fact that he actually drew a save and the reaction of not only Emmy Martinez, but the players around him, they knew they were in a game. And I think that's all you can ask for from Socceroos' side against the number three in the world and one of the favourites for this competition, that they gave them an almighty fright. I'm still not ready to emotionally process that last-minute Garan quality. I think it belongs right next to that penalty in 2006 in terms of <laughs> what-if moments. But Alex... So Graham Allen made just the one change from the side, which did so well in the group stage. He took out Craig Goodwin and brought in Keanu Bacchus. He did a fantastic job in the middle of the midfield, didn't he? We saw it in the second half against Denmark, the energy he provided. And he did a very similar job once again on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, outstanding effort. The legs of that bloke is just incredible. The engine. Um, but and, and neat and tidy on the ball. Really read the game really well. And... There looked to be a little bit of a tweak, I think, in, in how they sort of set up defensively and then in attack where um, Bacchus was staying central in that centre mid role next to Moy and McGree would defend on the on the left of midfield and Irvine would be, I guess, the number 10 or the second striker, if you like. Um, but they'd switch once it goes into attack from, from memory. Um, so it was, yeah, some little nuances there, but but Bacchus, uh, I think he's just, um, yeah, he, he was incredible. He, he's really surprised me in this tournament, um, taking his game to the next level since he's moved to St. Mirren and, and really deserves uh, his spot in this team. Absolutely. And Liam, the soccer started the game really well, didn't they? They didn't have a lot of the possession in the first part of the game, but Argentina weren't doing anything with the ball. They had a lot of possession in front of the soccer. They weren't really... Crediting. So they certainly got themselves into the game, didn't they, Graham Arnold? So in terms of the way they wanted to be compact, defensively resolute and hit on the counter. It looked like they were just starting to do that in that first half an hour spell. Yeah, I think so. I think we I think we more or less went in the same tactic as we did with uh with Denmark. We kind of we were absorbing the pressure. We you know, we were we were kind of we were just um we didn't get much much possession, but um but yeah, Argentina was certainly trying their best to try and get through us but again we just absorbed we were absorbing it all absorbing it all and i was generally thinking that if we can get through the first half without a goal then then it's you know then we can get a result out of this but 
of course, then, you know, when, when you rub Messi up the wrong way, it uh, tends to backfire in your face, you know, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that, I, I think they, and I think they were right going and using that tactic because it, it works, it worked twice, twice before. And um, look, you know, just, uh, you know, that, that messy goal kind of messed things up for us, you know, but so uh, in, in the end, but um, no, they, um, they certainly sat back and I've just absorbed it, just waiting, you know, to see the opportunity to get, to get on the counter. Yeah, this is going to be the unfortunate Lionel Messi appreciation part of this podcast because he was absolutely superb, wasn't he? And we'll give everyone a chance to talk about it. But Adam, I'll come to you first on this. You give that guy half a second of time and half a yard of space and he can just, just destroy you. And that's unfortunately what he did, not just with the goal, but his all-around performance was absolutely outstanding, wasn't it? He? he really did win the game for Argentina. This is why he's uh, that he's nicknamed the GOAT. You know, will be one, perhaps one of the immortals of um, of you know, of world football, you know, when they, they talk about it in 50 years time, a bit like, you know, Maradona and, uh, and Pe- Pele and a few others, uh, Franz Beckenbauer, Eusebio, the, those sort of names that I think Messi belongs right there. And he, he showed that, that, you know, you give him half an inch to work in and, you know, he can produce and they're, and they're, they're world-class players. Like, uh, I, I don't think there's too many other players in the world that you give him, you give them that much space that they, they convert unless it's something like a, a deflection or something like that. But, uh, you know, the, the whole, the whole way the play was constructed, the shot was clean shot, you know, and and beat Matt Ryan. There, look, there's there's not there's nothing really you can do about it. Uh, maybe maybe the sort of the you know being allowed to sort of you know have a free kick. I know he wound up um, as his page just before that to sort of the, for the free kick to sort of build up to that. But look, you just got to take your hat off and say you know that that's. The, the great players step up in the great moments and in the big moments, and the game shifted right right on that on that play. So I know there's a few people saying, "Oh, it was soft and all that," but you know what? Lionel Messi in his story career has made defenders and defenses that are ten times better than this soccer side look just as stupid. So it's just one of those things. This is why, rather than saying, "Oh, it was a soccer mistake," it was more so. This is we talk about the difference between you know good and brilliant. This is why Messi is brilliant. Yep, he, he makes things look easy and, and makes defences look bad. I don't think they did much wrong. Alex, it was his thousandth game, his first knockout round goal. It must, it must be an absolute dream for a one to have a player like that. He was fantastic. Yeah, I think Arnie said it himself in the post-match press conference that what you know Argentina just must be so stoked to have a player like him in, in within their ranks and. Um, yeah, I mean, what what a player, you know, seven, uh, what a thousand career games for for club and country, and seven hundred and sixty nine goals. Like it's closing it on eight hundred, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. And we're we're alive to see this this man play. Um, as much as I uh, wasn't uh, putting this sentiment out on Sunday morning, um, Liam can attest to that. Um, but um, I was getting involved in a few vulgar chants towards the little man. But um, <laughs> um, to be to be quite honest, like he's he's a magician, and 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 yeah, I can't I can't agree more with what Adam said. And I think even on Thursday uh, when we were recording the last podcast, we were talking about. Uh, I think it might have been you, Adam or Scott, were talking about moments and and how uh, players take it, the good players take it, and that's exactly what we saw with with Messi. You know, he got that one chance. That was that was literally the only chance Argentina had in that half, and he took it. You know, like it, it breaks your heart, but it also shows just just how good uh, a player like he it, it, that that Messi is. Liam, could they have done anything else to curtail him? Because it seemed like they didn't man mark him, but they had players whose job it was to close him down, and they did a really good job of it apart from that one moment. Yeah, um, I mean, what, I mean, as you, as uh, as as uh, as was just said, you know, you can get the best defense in the world, you can get the best centre backs and 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 you know wing backs in the world to try and defend against the man, and and he'll always find a way. So. You could you, you could think that you've got the man marks, but he'll but he but he'll find a way. Um, I think it would have been. I don't think they could have done much more, to be honest, uh, to to try and uh, man mark him. Maybe they could have tried with some others, which I think we did pretty well. I think I think we pretty well. I mean, Matty Ryan, okay, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll probably get to that, I guess. But he did make the one mistake, but he made some pretty good saves in there as well, and um, and he only got to that. 
maybe when maybe when our back line, you know, maybe missed a few tackles or whatever. But that was very rare. I think we did pretty well. I think we soaked I think we defended very well. That back line did the same job they've been doing against Tunisia and and um and Denmark. But you know, it's Argentina, it's messy. There's there's some very, very good quality players in there and it's um I think we did well to I don't think we could have done much more, to be honest, you know. Yeah, you did mention Matt Ryan. We do have to talk about it briefly. I don't want to go into too much detail because I think he's copped no. a fair bit of flack for including from his own teammate. Yeah. But we won't get won't worry about him because he's out of the World Cup as well now, Adam. But that was a real disaster moment for Matt Ryan and one that the captain, I'm sure, will be wanting to put right at some point in the future in the green and gold. Yeah, it is. But you know what? It happens. It happens. It's happened to the best. Um, look again. It, it does. It does look a bit comical, and yeah, you know, it's probably you know, tragic timing. But also, also as well, I think I think it was also the pressure that uh, Julian, Julian Alvarez. I can't remember who the other player who was in amongst I think it. It was well. Messi up front as well, putting the pressure on as well. It may have been. Yeah, that actually brought they actually brought two men under pressure, which sort of. Um, I think there's a lack of communication, obviously, between in that moment between Ryan, you know, Sutar and Rolls as well. And I think that's where just all the miscommunication and it just all fell apart. And, you know, Julian Alvarez had the easiest of, you know, for the easiest goals, the easiest scorer at a uh, World Cup tournament. So, look, it's one of those things. I think on the balance, yeah, Matt Ryan made one mistake that, was, that you know, has been a highlight. Even 4 4 um, have had fun at his expense since. But um, look, at the end of the day, on the balance of it, uh, Matt Ryan certainly has saved uh, Socceroos from seeing a lot more times than the one mistake. So I think, uh, look, while, while people are right to get upset and, uh, and be disappointed in it, you know, again, I think it's a case of it happens, but it doesn't, that doesn't uh, mark the man. I think he's had, he's had an excellent tournament considering the lack of uh, play he's had. He has, Alex. The only thing I would say is he had a similar mishap in the first game against France and maybe could have potentially learn from that but again he's had a fantastic tournament as the leader for the Socceroos yeah 100% I, I, I think as Adam so rightly said you know um, at the end of the day they're all humans as well they're not robots um, they're, they're, they're going to make mistakes and um, look as much as we wanted him to put his foot through the ball he didn't um, and, and that's so be it um, I think Matt Ryan's earned his stripes and he's got enough credit in the bank to cop that one. And I think, uh, you know, Liam and I, I think we're discussing this after the game on Sunday. You know, football, it always evens out. And I mean, really, Craig Goodwin's goal, massive deflection, you know. So I think it evens out, really. And, um, you know, social media obviously plays its part these days with with uh, the idiots that are on there and, and thinking they're really brave by attacking um, people, um, saying terrible things like they have no doubt been to, to Matt Ryan and, and others. Um, His own teammates have been saying it, so... Yeah, right. Well, I mean, that doesn't help, doesn't it? So... You, mean, you mean like teammates in the Denmark teammate? Yeah, the um, club teammate at Copenhagen. Yeah, I better say, because oh, I Grabara. Socceroos saying yeah. it, but... Old mate in Denmark, they're giving you know, I think he got a spray back by a majority of Australian football fans anyway. So, yeah. mm. he did that he, he'd be the most anonymous, anonymous keeper in the world to get copied from the Australian fans for, for that comment. So, hey, he had a great World Cup sitting on the bench for Poland for all four games. He had a massive impact, didn't he? But Liam, <laughs> the second goal, well, that made it really tough, didn't it? We, we thought maybe Australia could get back into the game at 1 0, but at 2 0, you thought it was going to be just going to be a really, really tough road to go. But they didn't give up. They kept going, and uh, I think no, I like, think two nil. Um, um, if 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 they'd got a quick third goal, uh, I probably would have gone. Uh, you know, maybe would have walked the car and started the car. You know, warmed it up with the cold morning. But um, no, two nil. But we started to find something then. Like we didn't just we, we didn't just roll over. I think the France game was a an example of that. Of you know, like I said, it, that was that was the best friendly we could have. You know, as as Graham said, but yeah, I think we slowly started to grow into it. We slowly started to get a possession, um, and you know, of course, as we spoke about the last ten minutes, and almost what ifs. But I generally think that if we'd gone into that a two all, um, I think we would have got something out of it because I, re- I I think that we were fitter. Uh, I think we looked fitter than what the Argentines did towards the back end of that half, and I would and I would back us to win it. But that's all that's all hearsay, of course. It's all whatever, fine sky rubbish. But um, yeah. Um, I yeah I once we saw a bit of spark there I was like no this isn't over this isn't over and the second goal and the first goal came for us 
And then they just kept attacking them from the other. I would just, Abayesh came in. I was just like, wow, we can get something out. Surely we can get something out of this. And we almost did. You know, we didn't give up. That's the important thing to me. I don't know about the rest of the fans, but we didn't give up. We didn't roll over. We said, no, we want, we've, been, we've gotten this far. We've fought through so much to get here. And they fought and they fought and they fought. And you could see it on, on, on their faces after the game that they just gave it everything, you know. And They could have taken it easy because they'd taken froth the gas and accepted a 2-0 and a respectable exit. But they kept going to that. And they got the goal back, albeit with that deflection. And I think the goal, even though it didn't matter in the end in terms of the end result, the fact that we scored in the, in a knockout round and the and the moment that gave everyone back home was a really special moment. It, it was, uh, like I said, it, at the end of the day, I know we credit we credit Craig Goodwin with the goal. But officially, it was a um, own goal for Enzo Fernandez. But uh, look, it, it was a case of you know we this 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 uh, squad has done a lot of first for for a soccer side of World Cup. Now the fact that they scored in all four um, matches at, at a World Cup that's the first time ever. You know, and there. But uh, the most important aspect, and I agree with Liam's point, is that. At no stage did they look like they gave up. I think even at two nil, even a three nil, you know, you'd almost say, look, it was an honor, it was an honourable effort. But the fact is, is that yeah, at at two one, there was there was a little bit of hope. And even even though though probably you know the chances were that they weren't that Argentina weren't going to cough up a second, and they they nearly did. Um, but like I said, it's just something that you have to be really proud of, you know, and that and that's the most important thing. And the scary thing is, is that you know, for all that disappointment and that, is that this squad is sort is, is still young enough. There's still the the key players will still have another World Cup in you know three and a half years time. So and and obviously as well that you now they can go away. They've got a they've got an Olympics campaign as well. So obviously more grounding for the next generation. Look, this is the best is yet to come. This is Socceroos team. So so I think as well, like you know, yeah, be disappointed. Be you know that. That we that we got knocked out in the round of sixteen, but I, I just have this feeling the best is yet to come for this national team going forward if it is managed right and managed correctly. We'll get to the future later on, but Alex, they did keep going and they had those couple of chances right at the end there. The Aziz Bage chance was fantastically well created in that Garan Qual moment right at the end. It's sort of that what if moment, but they uh, those it's just a what if moment. Is that both of them? One of those had it gone in, you would have almost thought Soccer's would have had the momentum going into extra time, but the the Martinez drill at the back in goal and centre-back bailed Argentina out because they were really hanging on at the end. Yeah, they really were. And if, if a second had gone in, I probably would have had to get taken away in an ambulance, to be quite honest with you. It was, uh, it was yeah, would have been absolute scenes at King George Square. But, you, yeah, you're 100% right. That beige dribble, like, I, I've seen it before. I was talking to Liam again about it after the game. I can't remember whether... I think it was at club level when he was in Turkey... And he'd, he'd made this mazy dribble down the left and he cuts inside and his right foot and you're going, oh, no, I thought his right foot was only for standing. But he just whips this, this ball in. But um, Lissandro Martinez diving in there and, and getting that block in, uh, incredible defence. have to you pay credit to that. And Emmy Martinez, um, I don't know if he's on peptides or something like that. That left <laughs> bicep should be looked at seriously. Um, but no, it's it, it, uh, like the incredible uh, keeping as well from him. He made himself big, um, stayed as as big as he could, and and dove in and stopped that one. But um, just to to Adam's point there about feeling disappointed, you know, to to think that we're feeling so disappointed after mm. playing Argentina, like wow, that's that's pretty big when you you put it all into context. And look, I. For me, I'm I'm probably being a bit hypocritical because I, I felt pretty low yesterday, but after the game, but to think that that we're feeling this way and that it's stinging and it's hurting and see the reaction from the boys and Arnie um, uh, after that game, but like round of sixteen, we lose to Argentina. I know I don't want it to to make it to glorify because at the end of the day, it is still a loss, but. Just to put it into context, where we're hurting from a loss against Argentina, that's that's pretty good, I think, considering that this, you know, this squad was was pretty much hounded from pillar to post in the lead up to to this game, and even after the first game against France. And it's a very different feeling, isn't it, Liam, to the exits we've had in recent times at the World Cup, particularly in Russia, where it's fair to say they probably did they did underperform soccer. Is it's a very different feeling. Yes, it's disappointment, but. That was more frustration that an opportunity missed in terms of not delivering. This is an op- this is frustration an opportunity missed to go further than we, than we ever have before. But the effort was there and it was an outstanding campaign. 
Yeah, it was. It was an outstanding campaign, and uh, you know, effort was there the entire the entire campaign. Um, you know, as you said, you know, first back to pat wins, scored every scored in every game that we played. That in that was uh, that was in free play. It wasn't just it wasn't just a penalty. Um, and in sorry, in open play, not free play. No penalties and, and no VAR for the Socceroos in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, and um, and. That that uh, you know, win at all costs and never back down kind of grit that they had. I think it's great, and I just want to m- make a point that I, I kept saying to Alex as well there that uh, on the, at, at King George Square, I desperately wanted us to get a goal because I wanted the crowd just the crowd deserved something. It was a huge crowd there, and when we got that goal, the place just erupted, and it was it was like a massive pressure relief valve had gone off. It's like we you know we saw a goal. The world could see what 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 we're capable of as 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 football supporters, and look, you know, and it's all because of them. It's all because of the Socceroos. It's all it's all to do about where they got us this time around. I'm pretty much, and we'll probably talk about. It, I'm sure that pretty happy to say that they probably want the the, the best Socceroos performance that we've had. It is. And just before we move on to wrapping up the tournament as a whole, just quickly, Liam and Alex, you were both at King George Square on Saturday morning. You want to talk us through the atmosphere, Liam, in particular, not just with the goal, but the way the whole morning went, the atmosphere there at King George Square? Um, yeah, sure. Well, I, I arrived at about 20 past four, and it was, and King George Square was probably probably already two-thirds full. Um, I was walking down Turbot Street, and you could already hear the drums, you could already hear the crowd, the, the chows and the crannies. So, that was, so they, they were starting before way before five o'clock kickoff which was which was fantastic like i was i was really concerned that we'd be the only that kind of alex and i would be the only people there you know i was like it's gonna be so depressing you know if, if, if only a small crowd turned up but how how wrong we were it was fantastic that place filled up everyone there had a great time there was you know it's, you know there might have been a milk crate or two and a magpie sign that no one can kind of understand what was going on but um those that went there would know what i'm talking about but Look, it was fantastic to see the city of Brisbane turn out the way that we, the way that they did. You know, there was flares, there was everything, there was atmosphere. You've seen the photographs. Fantastic to see, um, and we've certainly played our part in supporting our boys from afar in Brisbane, and um, of course Park Road as well. They had they had um, they had an event on there as well, which is which is great to see. And it doesn't matter where you went, it doesn't matter whether it's Park Road or King George Square or wherever. You know, everyone was there to watch our boys play, and we and and to kick butt, and you know, we certainly gave it a crack, and very, very proud of Brisbane for what they did. And thanks for supplying all that pyrotechnics, Alex. We appreciate it greatly. No problem at all. Yeah, um, uh, BCF. If you're looking to sponsor me, um, please get in contact. My number is no, no, I won't share that. I'm getting, sto- <laughs> I'm getting stock in them. At the, if this is going to keep going on, I'm getting in on that action. Yeah, you and I both, Scott. You and I both. It was an amazing atmosphere. I wasn't there, unfortunately, but I saw all the photos and all the video. It was like an amazing atmosphere. I'm sure you had a very similar experience, Alex. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. It just, it just really um, fills your heart as a football fan that yeah, we we can actually do things like this that people can get around us and get around this this game that that we pour our heart and soul into. You know, like you know Scott and Adam and, and James, uh, who's obviously not with us at the moment, but. You know, you guys cover the the game at a at a local level, um, you know, so well, and and to see people from no doubt from that sort of level right through to to um, the the sort of casual fans that that um, are just sort of getting around it because it's Australia playing at a World Cup kind of thing. So it, it's good to see, and 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 all the club politics that that happens um, sort of get put aside and and bring together this this incredible atmosphere where you, thousands of people are there. Um, singing and in, enjoying um, watching uh, our national team do us so proud on on the world stage is just um, yeah it, it just it just really um, fills your heart um, to to be quite honest with you and, and and it gives you hope for for the future of the game and that needs to be the standard going forward that every World Cup from now on men and women even Australia's playing we have um, arenas like that all around the country and we'll move on to Individual performance down. We'll go around the, the table on this. First with you, Adam. Who was your Socceroos player of the of the tournament? Not the whole campaign, just this World Cup in particular. Who's your standout performer? Harry Sutar. Uh, he he just uh, he stood like to for a guy that had only played two sen- like played ninety minutes of senior football, like two games in total. If, if he came his under twenty three performance to stand up and be the rock 
in the in defence. Um, look, yeah, sure, he made he made a couple of mistakes against against France, you know, as far as his positioning goes. But you know, those two games that where where Stray kept a clean sheet against uh, Tunisia and uh, and Denmark, he he was fantastic, and he and he was very good as well against uh, Argentina. So for for mine, another, and there's a number of players that you could also put, it, but for me personally. Uh, Harry Sutar's my um my MVP for the Socceroos. Liam? Oh, uh, yeah, I I think it's Harry Sutar, but I just want to make a special mention there. I guess close runner up would be um would be Jackson Irvine. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. He's going to be on the back of my next shirt. That man, he put his heart and soul into into, into this into these th- uh, three games, four games, sorry, three three games, three games, yeah, four games, yeah. no, four games because yeah, four, yeah. Three, yeah. Uh, so I just wasn't expecting that fourth game where we weren't, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, I think yeah, they're Harry for sure, and a close second there for um, for Jackson Irvine, even though it wasn't part of the category that you asked about, but I still put it in there anyway. All good, Alex. You're gonna make a three um, out of three for Suter. Oh, it's hard. It's hard not to, and and the inner defender in me wants to. So yeah, I will. Um, uh, for all the reasons Adam said, um, mind blowing that a bloke coming back from an ACL in a World Cup qualifier can come back and, and perform the way he did and, and formed this incredible partnership with Kai Rolls, who um, they didn't play together in those last two um, uh, qualifiers uh, against UAE and Peru that were straight knockouts. It was um, so, you know, it was the first time those two had played together. Um, incredible. Um, I'd like to give an honourable mention to uh, the A-League's Craig Goodwin as well. That left foot is an absolute wand, um, and it was it was hard to pick between those two for me. Um, so can I get can I get my since everyone else uh, can, I, can I put my honourable mention in? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look, honourable mention for me, Matt Lecky. Uh, I I because he's been he's been um, he's been the uh, Robbie Cruz perpetual beat up boy for the last uh, for for this campaign. The fact that he came back was such a memorable moment. Um, but he he's, he was good all tournament. So, you know, sort of rams off the standstill. So, yeah, Sutar you know, is mine, but honourable mention, Matt Leckie. Yeah. You've just stolen my thunder, because I was going to say my soccer platform is actually Matt Leckie. The energy he put in in the front third to to be an effective press in the front third and also the goal against Denmark. I thought he had a fantastic tournament. And what is probably fair to say it's going to be his last World Cup. He's certainly gone out if it is his last World Cup with his best individual performance at a World Cup. Although he was superb. And I do agree, honourable mention would be for Sutar because it's the way he's bounced back from that injury and just slotted in seamlessly has been absolutely superb. The next next category is um, breakout player. The player you thought, a player whose stock has risen the most over this campaign. And I forget who it was. Talking about Kai Rolls and the partnership with Harry Sutar. For me, his stock has risen so much in the last six months. He is he is clearly one of Australia's best two central defenders, and that looks like it's going to be a great pairing for the next few years. So for me, he is the breakout player. Liam, who would you put in terms of who's increased their stock the most in this squad? Wow. Um, look, I would look. Jeez. Can, can we go to Alex and come back? Because I was expecting. We can go to Alex. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got one raring to go. So, um, and I probably alluded to him earlier in the in the podcast. It's Keanu Bacchus. He's come from from nowhere. Um, well, not nowhere. Uh, he, he played in, in soccer. Terms, he has to be fair. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and even like his career at Western Sydney Wanderers, like he was a solid player there, but he just wasn't. I don't know. He, he never really stood out. He was just that stereotypical central midfield player. He's gone to St. Mirren. He's playing brilliantly there. And then he's just gone to another level to to the point where Graham Arnold trusted to start him against Argentina over Craig Goodwin, who uh, as I just made mention, was my honourable mention in the, in, the, in the play of the tournament So for, for the Socceroos. So um, for me, it's Keanu Bacchus by a mile. The, the legs on the bloke, the engine, um, the way he reads the game, uh, both defensively and, and, and attacking, um, picking the right pass, um, uh, dribbling ability too, that Maisie run he did against Denmark. Oof. Um, brilliant. Yeah, um, for me, he's, he's the one. I'll give you a bit more time, Liam. Are you, are you good to go? Uh, look, I don't know. Would you would you call Bayich breakout? I'm glad you mentioned because he had yeah. to get a mention somewhere here. He does, I think. Well, apart from his apart from his blinding run there uh, against Argentina, I think he was. I think he was probably he was probably pretty well consistent as well in 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 his position. Um, he certainly ruffled the ruffled the right people at the right time. He was he was he was 
always fought for the ball so so valiantly. Um, he got you know he roughed him up when he when he had to, and uh, yeah, I I think he did pretty well. I think he did. I think he deserves a a breakout there. I think uh, we we kind of already knew about him. Maybe the the world kind of semi knows about him, but I think it just raised, like as you said, it just raised his stocks just a little bit more to be uh, to be noticed. Adam. Yeah, I'll just show your point, Liam, on that as far as the you know, definition. I definitely think, yeah, breakout definitely for us at Spage because, yeah, yeah, he has been around for a while and he plays in Turkey. But I'll guarantee you there, there will be interest from bigger leagues in Europe. Because I say, especially being a left back, left back is a notoriously tough position to recruit for. So if you've got a player that you know is excelling at that role, certainly he may get he may get uh, offers from you know much bigger leagues. So I definitely don't think that uh, comes down to um, definition of breakout. Uh, for for me, for me, it's uh, fairly simple. I, I pray Goodwin. I think uh, simply breakout. That I think that he, I think his stock has risen to the point where I will be shocked if Adelaide United hang on to him come January, come the open window for, for Europe or you know, even uh, even the MLS and other sort of parts of the world. I, I think as much as as great a player he is and adverse when he is for the A-League, I, I think that you know, we've known how good Craig Goodwin is, has been in the A-League, his performances for Adelaide. I think the world has now found out, will find out. And yeah, I think that, you know, big thing to have, and I think he would have thought maybe coming home to to um, Adelaide after, after you know, his, his stint, is stint over in Saudi Arabia wheels, loaned out long-term twice. I think that this World Cup may see him back um, overseas again. Highly possible. He's certainly risen his stock about that. We'll move on now to what's looking ahead for the soccer. We'll start with the coaching position. Go to you first with this, Alex. Graham Arnold is obviously he's out of contract as we know right now. He has to make a decision. Does he want the job? Does he not want the job? Would you want him to have the job for another 12 months through the Asian Cup, full World Cup cycle? And if not, what sort of coach would you be looking to to bring in if it's not Graham Arnold? Yeah, okay. So um, for me, I would love to see him do a whole World Cup cycle. I don't think there's a point in letting the new coach come in or, or Arnie continue and, and just saying for this 12-month um, stint, we saw how much of a car crash it was with Bert Van Marvelak before Russia. For me, I, I thought that was an absolute waste of time. Why didn't Arnie come in and, and start his, um, his cycle as, as a manager then? It is a bit of a risk, I guess. But um, for me, that, that that's what I think on the, on the first question. On the second question, Scott, if um, Arnie was to turn down the the contracts um completely understandable go out with your head held high and and um you know uh, maybe take on another club challenge um i don't want us to go with a foreign coach um i think those days are done i think we've got enough quality australian managers to pick from who will understand players at the A-League level and understand the mentality and there's enough of those A-League co- uh, even A-League coaches uh that, that are ex-Socceroos uh, players who know what it means to wear the green and gold. And it is a little bit special. It's a little bit different. So, therefore, you know, probably out of, for me, it has to be out of Musket, Popovich, um, maybe Aloisi. They're, they're probably the three I'd go with, um, personally. I can't disagree with that. Every foreign coach we've had, Liam, other than who's hitting, hasn't been able to fully grasp the Australian DNA. And we saw how important that was in this campaign, the way the spirit of the Australian team was so important. So I do agree. If it's not going to be Graham Arnold, I think it has to be an Australian coach. I imagine you'd like to see Graham Arnold back if it is going to be, if he's going to come back for a full term, not just a a short term through the Asian Cup as well. Yeah, I think think on the back of everything that's happened this World Cup, I think the, the mentality that they have, the sense of bonding that they have, um, the the mateship that they've got throughout this whole tournament, um, I think it'd be I think you would be hanging on to that as long as you can. Next cycle, okay, some of the players might retire. Would will Aaron Moy even be there? Um, will you know will will Lecky be there? Um, so I think you need to I I don't want to look we were very critical of him at the start when everything was going to crap. We were we wanted him gone. But I think every like I said the last podcast, I think this was this was everything coming together. It was peaking at the right time. Was this was 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 the game against Denmark? I think that's it. That was it at its absolute peak, um, and um, it finally all came together for him. We could see how it was all how it was all going. I don't want to see I don't want to see that be ripped apart by a new coach that 
um, especially a foreign coach. Um, as Alex said, I don't think it'd be right to have a foreign coach. Well, I'll never say never have a foreign coach again, but now's not the it's right time. It's got to be the right foreign coach, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, but now's, now's not the right time. I'd like to see uh, Graham... It stings me because of where we were a few months back, but um, I think considering what we've what we've known, what we've seen that they've built, how 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 they've stood up as a team and they've backed one another hundred percent all the way, I don't want to see that torn apart. You need to build on that and you need to keep that going forward as part of the next DNA for the next World Cup campaign. Sorry, Siri's saying I'm talking to her. Um, so, uh, but as far as Nick, if if he does go, if he does decide to go, um, yeah. The three coaches that you mentioned for sure, you need a soccer in there that gets it. You know, any foreign coaches that come in don't understand that, don't get that Australian grit, that they don't get that 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 mateship that goes on. You need someone who's been there, done that. Those three coaches, of course, you mentioned absolutely 100% back, back them all the way. It's got to be an Australian coach. Adam, can you make any argument for a foreign coach at all? And do you think Graham may want to walk away at this? with a high watermark and his legacy well and truly intact, that he might want to pursue a different challenge? Now, you're, you're reading my mind, because I, I was actually going to be the, sort of the dissenter on this and say that, no, I think I think that Graham Arnold's time is up. But a very, very different circumstance of where we thought. We, we thought we thought it was going to be crash and burn. He leaves as a hero. He, leave, he leaves. He leaves a legacy, and I, I actually think that you know what, this is probably the right time, given given the fact that uh, it was all discussing off air before we started that that the next set of uh, qualifiers is not till um, November next year. Well, I guess the meaningful qualifiers, there, there is time. I think I think I don't think you need to rush any decisions. Uh, maybe there'll be a friendly here or there. It's not hard to say a Tony Bidmar or someone like that to to be the interim coach just to get through some friendlies and all that, and you know perhaps start bringing through a new generation or whoever's going to be the next Ollie Roos coach, you know, to to let them have the senior team until such a time that the um that they make a decision on who will be the next coach and the next coach who will take us through the Asian Cup and also and onwards to to um the USA the United 2026 a uh, term yet. so i think i think uh, football australia has time but i actually think Graham arnold i think um i would i wouldn't begrudge him if he wanted to continue um un- unlike you know, maybe a few months ago where i said don't you dare <laughs> but um but yeah look, I, th- I think he's earned it I, I think he's earned it but then again he may think you know what i've done all i can it's time to turn over uh, as far as the question of a foreign coach versus a um, a local coach, yeah, look, I, I like to see a local coach. Uh, look, someone like a, someone like a John Elawisi or a um, or a Tony Popovich, a, a Kevin Musket, perhaps. You know, maybe one more season in Yokohama, then he he comes back. As, as so I agree with the boys that you know it has to be someone that understands the soccer's culture and understands how we play. And there's not many foreign coaches out there that would understand that. You want you want someone that you know could buy into what it means to be a soccer more than just you know, coaching a national team. It's it's more to that. Yeah, any foreign coach would have to have a senior soccer figure alongside them. One word, because we are running out of time. Alex, if it's not Graham Arnold, would it, do, do you want Kevin Musket, Tony Popovich, John Aloisi or other? Oh, tough. Um, I reckon I would go with uh, Musket. Yeah, Musket. Yeah, yeah, the reason is that um, Aloisi, uh, I think he might, he could, I think he could be on the nose for a lot of Australian people because of, because of what's happened at Raw, what happened at uh, the Old Heart, and of course, where's where's United going at? Where's Western United going at the moment? He could be on the nose with with a few Aussies. Uh, I know, I know, Musket's victory, ex victory, and there's there's a lot of uh, sentiment around that as well. Um, but uh, again, Popovich as well. Look, he's 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 too hot and cold for me. Whereas whereas Kevin Musket, uh, big Kevin Musket, he's 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 proven with victory and with uh, Yokohama that um, you know he's capable. And that and him being in Japan as well makes him a bit well known as well. And I don't know, just I think it just adds more to the to that kind of uh, vibe and mentality that he's he's he, that that he's been overseas and he's seen the Japanese how how they operate and. That can help us, of course, in, in qualifiers and that. But look, I have to just 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 quickly say, when it comes to coaching, just just quickly, I think all this all this DNA and all this 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 rise has started with Ange with his mentality about 
about that big speech he had about how he, he wants them talking about our game. You know what? And the world did talk about us. The Australian media couldn't get enough of us um, over, over the last three days or you know, four days. And that, to me, is um, a big tick, and he's got what he wanted. They're talking about us. They were talking about us. Absolutely. Quickly, Adam, who would you pick as head coach? Um, I, I actually, I, I'm on the so the John Elwissi bandwagon only because of the other with the other coaches. I think they need a philosophy. They're probably better club coaches. I think you need a man manager, and I think of, of those, I think John Elwissi probably is the one that uh, that probably sort of fits that bill. Uh, look, if I uh, throw on a smoky, maybe Patrick Kuznorbo as well. So I think we'll see what happens, you know, in his his little French adventure. But he, by the time November, you know, twenty twenty three rolls around, they make a decision. He may, he may be in the in the picture, or he may decide. You know what? This this club gig's not for me. I'm your, I want to be the Socceroos coach. So let, let, let's see. But I think the good thing is that, like uh, certain other issues at the moment, yeah, you know, that seems to be talking hot points. I.e., uh, one Christian Valpardo. I think this time we're not getting into him. No, 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 I know. No, 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 I'm just saying. We've touched on that already. Last question before we do wrap this Why up. Why not? We've, we've, we're running out of time. We don't have enough time to delve into Christian Volpato's 2.0, but great, oh, to, see, oh, great to hear he was watching the game at the weekend. But last question, Alex. The, um, the next cycle basically begins right now. We've got the Asian Cup in January 2024. The World Cup qualifiers begin in November of next year. So there's a little bit of time, but not a lot of time. How would you treat this process up until the Asian Cup? Because in the past, we've seen Australia take the very strongest team possible with the goal of winning the Asian Cup, whereas other nations like Japan have taken a longer-term view of bringing through younger players with the view of peaking at the next World Cup. How would you approach it? Do you want to go and try and win the Asian Cup, or are you looking ahead to the next World Cup? Um, that is a really, really good question, and I would probably say I think we're in a position where we can balance it a little bit. I think we've got the squad that was taken to the World Cup that, that you know, has just finished for us, I think is fairly balanced. We've got a, you know, I think, what was it, seven or eight uh, lads from the Oli Roos there that are all sort of around that 20, 21 age through to about 24, 25. So in that, that's going to be the core of the the team that, that that's going to be taken to uh, the the. 2026 World Cup, you'd imagine. So you keep them. Um, you know, maybe if there's a couple of the older lads that that don't want to play, or or, or or might unselfishly, which I think probably some will, step away from uh, international duty, then that gives you the room to to bring in a, a couple more of the youngsters. So I think I think we're in the we're in a, a position of luxury where we can pick and choose how we balance that squad, and and that's what I would do. It's a bit different to previous Asian Cups, isn't it, where we have a pretty young World Cup squad, which probably can go to the the next World Cup with only one or two exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think the the core. Look, I'd I'd like to see us to go go for the win for the cup. You know, um, I think that'd be a good experience uh, for the World Cup qualifiers and and for the World Cup if we can get through that campaign. What, when's when's the, it's on? It's January twenty twenty four. Is the Asian Cup has been moved from China yeah. to Qatar and it's been playing. Right in their yeah. winter. Yeah, so I'd like to see us go for go for a cup win. Um, again, experience for the for the younger players. If we get to the semi-finals or even if we get to the final, it's good it's good cup experience. It's a uh, good 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 pressure. You, you can see where you, where you, where the uh, men lay in, in terms of how they take the take their responsibilities. Um, you want a, a younger a younger squad um, that you again for the core Maybe that might be the last last hurrah for the Moyes and the Lakers of the world to try and press their 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 goodbyes and put their influence on the squad. You're certainly going to need someone to replace Aaron Moy in the midfield. So you'd like to see him go through the campaign for the Asian Cup. Um, maybe teaching some kids a few things, you know. And Adam, there's about 455 Asian nations who are going to qualify for the next World Cup, given the expanded tournament. It does give you more room for for error, does margin for error in terms of the qualifying campaign. So you can probably afford to go for the win in this case. Absolutely, I, I, and I think only because I think we've got the squad right now that's in in that 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 prime where they're still built, they're still covering. If 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 uh, you you first fast, you so you rewind you know, four years, you'd be saying yeah, it's a developmental squad. The, the benefit of this squad going, you hold them together for another year, is that, that this is this is the top side. 
but there's still there's still room to develop. So I think definitely go for it. I think Japan have got a luxury where you now their their depth is just absolutely crazy. Korea are the same. Uh, I think I think you know we need to take the opportunity while they're trying to rebuild and they're they're sticking to their own programs. We, we've we've got a squad that that can you know really go close, especially uh, in a place that's very very friendly to us in Qatar. It is, and hopefully, well, I'm calling this the platinum generation of players. Hopefully, they go better than the golden generation did back in 2007 in their Asian Cup campaign after the World Cup. We saw how that was a bit of a disastrous of campaign. Hopefully, this platinum generation can go a little bit better than that. But the position of the Brisbane Football Review, Adam, Liam, Alex, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. Having us. And just before we wrap up, Alex, you want to quickly give us a. Give us a reminder of where people can get in contact with Queensland Soccer East. Oh, you, you, you know it. You know it. Um, you can have a look at it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Queensland Soccer Roos fans. And on Twitter, it is uh, QLD Soccer Roo, without the S, uh, fans is the Twitter handle. Absolutely. So get out this weekend and watch the A-League. We've seen the quality it has on show on the world stage. There's plenty of quality. Get out there and enjoy that. And we will talk to you once again next time. We'll talk to you then.